to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hey there, Suns fans. Welcome to another episode of the Solar Panel. I am lucky enough to be joined today by a really, really up-and-coming, great already, but going to be even better as the years go by, writer on, on NBA at Large. And his name is Mark Schindler with Basketball News. How you doing, Mark? Dave, I appreciate the intro, man. That was making me blush a little bit. I appreciate that. Um, I'm psyched to be here, man. I'm psyched to talk Suns, just talk NBA in general. Appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, I remember us talking a few years ago. Uh, Mark is is from the Pacers uh, ilk of, of co- game uh, team coverage like I am with the Suns. And we talked about the whole TJ Warren thing a few years ago and, and previewing uh, one of the Suns Pacers games, I believe. Um, so it's it's really cool to see how much you've done since then. You've got much, gone much more league wide, uh, covering all uh, so many other teams, and and you've still got that. We'll talk a little bit about the Pacers here because mm-hmm. there's a couple of still valid tie-ins to the Suns, but mostly what Mark and I are going to talk about today is a collab he did on Basketball News this week uh, with Nikias Duncan and Jackson Frank, two other really good young writers uh, for the NBA at large. And they collaborated on coming up with their favorites for Defensive Player of the Year and the all-defense teams, first team and second team for the, for the league. Now, the Suns, because the Sun, we've already gone through the all-star nods, we already pretty much know who the all-NBA teams are going to be as far as Suns-centric uh, focused, you know, we're, we're expecting Devin Booker to make all NBA. We're expecting, uh, maybe not Chris Paul anymore because he's going to miss the last two months mm-hmm. of the season for the most part, but he still might get in there at all NBA, but definitely, uh, we're pretty sure Devin Booker's going to make all NBA, uh, one of the teams. And, uh, hopefully it's not just at Chris Paul's expense, but just because, because he earned it. Um, but the all defense teams has people a little bit excited here in Phoenix. The Phoenix Suns right now are 56 and 14. They have the best record in the NBA by a mile. Uh, there's all these stats that I just don't like saying out loud because it's bad karma, but basically that bodes well for you know, the playoffs for a team in the Suns position with such a lead on the rest of the league in terms of record. And the Suns have been doing it while mixing and matching and missing some players uh, throughout the year. They have four of the Suns' five starters have missed at least 10 games out of the 70 played so far. And obviously, Chris Paul, it's 10, it's 12 and counting. Uh, but there's one guy on the Suns, so we'll, we'll, we'll go back to the all-defense teams. There's one guy on the Suns who hasn't missed any games. I try not to say it too often because that is the classic trap. As soon as we start lauding that, um, uh, something's going to happen. So, But there is one guy who hasn't missed a game since high school. His name is Mikel Bridges, and it seems like every other game the dude is is coming up with some kind of squint, you know, um, uh, squeamish or squint or something like that. And, and then he just plays through it and still plays 44 minutes and 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 talks about and it never goes on the injured list. Mikel Bridges, he is one of the best defensive players in the entire league. Now, traditionally, defensive players um, who win Defensive Player of the Year are big men. But Mikel Bridges, how close did Mikel Bridges come to your uh, Defensive Player of the Year rankings, your lists? So I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Mark. Yeah. Um, so 
he would have probably been fifth or sixth for me on my ballot. Um, he's been like, I mean, like you mentioned, he's been incredible this year. I think he's the best wing defender in basketball. Um, and that's without much contest, in my opinion. OGN and OB kind of took a step back this year. Part of that's injury. But I mean, by and large, this year it's been Mikhail without like any any real question to it. And I think it's been like that since the first week of the year. Um, so he's had an absolutely special year. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't end up getting all the way there at the top just because of like for me, um, I ended up voting Marcus Smart Defense Player of the Year. We were split among that. Me and Nikias both voted for Marcus. Uh, Jackson had him second. Boo, um, East Coast bias. <laughs> I hey, I live I live in the Midwest, so you know it's like, it's like a little bit. Uh, I try and uh, there's some polarity to it, you know. But uh, um, it's more just like splitting hairs, you know. I think it's hard to to come to a single consensus on one guy. Um, I think that you could make a real case for Mikhail um, or Mikhail. God, I always say it wrong. Um, but I just ended up leaning more towards Marcus for what he's done. Uh, you know, I, versatility is like a, a really annoying buzzword, but the versatility is insane. But more importantly, like the, um, the versatility that he has while being incredibly great and versatile too. I mean, Mikel has that as well, but again, it's like you're completely splitting hairs when looking at the top five or six defenders in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that is interesting because usually the defensive player of the year is a center mm -hmm. and you guys is other on this, on this article, uh, just to recap, the three of you collaborated and agreed on a top four for defensive player of the year. And Mikel Bridges was apparently just outside of that. Uh, Marcus Smart, you guys collectively came up with him as the guy who you would place first. Giannis Antetokounmpo would come in second. Rudy Gobert third, and Bam Adebayo honorable mention as the as the fourth. Um, I know Nikias is a is a big Miami Heat fan, uh, so I'm going to give him a little bit of a break on that. Uh, but um, Bam Adebayo has missed a lot of time this year. That's mm -hmm. part of the problem with him. Giannis, you've got to give Giannis the props. Obviously, he's the most versatile defender in the NBA. He can take on ones through fives. Um, I'm curious a little bit more. Let's talk a little bit more about Marcus Smart. He is only 6'4". Um, he's built like a Mack truck, though. And uh, so you say versatility. He, he plays defense differently than Mikel Bridges does. Uh, what is it about Marcus Smart, really, that separates him on, on a basketball court and makes him uh, the best defender in you guys' eyes. Yeah, for me, I think it's interesting too, because part of the reason I really wanted to write this is that I've thought more and more about Marcus um, for defense player of the year, because this year has been so wonky. Like, honestly, if um, you can throw your hands in and be like, you know, well, if, if so-and-so wasn't injured, if, they, if this, if that, like, I mean, if Draymond Green had played 55 games or, or if he played at least like two thirds of the season, he'd be defense player of the year. He's been amazing on a per possession basis. I don't think there's been a better defender in basketball. Um, but when you've only played half the games, it's really mm. tough to, to, to make one of the teams when some of these guys have you know been doing this for the entire year, even if they've missed 10 or 15 games, like that's still 15 games more than Draymond's played. And that, that makes a difference. Um, so for Marcus, it's, I think it's more about like, uh, Mike Prada commented on, on our article yesterday, really smart writer, awesome dude, mm. um, commented about how, you know, this is, we're still like, just the way that defense has really started to change. Um, over the last couple of years has has kind of blended and made things murkier and like just being able to pinpoint one guy. And part of why I point to Marcus is like 
he does the things that I think traditionally get assigned to what a center is doing. Like a lot of people are going to point and be like, oh, Robert Williams III is the center on, on the Celtics, so we should get it. And be like, okay, well, not to, not to discredit him, but when I look at Marcus, I'm like saying quarterback of the defense sounds like very cliche and like something that you'd hear on – on ESPN or whatever, but it's, it's true. Like, I mean, you can see he's calling out the switches. He's maneuvering everybody on the court. He's making pre-rotations for the defense. He's made, I mean, he just fills so many gaps and not again, it's, it, it's hard to say it without making it sound like I'm discrediting other guys, but like he does it at a level that is just like mind blowing to me. And it's what makes that defense so dominant. Like as good as the Suns defense has been, the Celtics are, I believe first in 2022 and by a pretty decent margin, um, and a lot of that has been Marcus, just what he's been able to do. And a lot of it is too, they have, I mean, they have four guys we consider for all defense on their, on their team. Uh, right. so like they, they, they have just an incredible crop of defensive talent, but, um, I mean, being the best defender on the best team who really sets the tone and, and builds that backbone is, is what ended up leading me to him. So the, in a way you're talking about Marcus Smart being the MVP defensively mm-hmm. for, you know, for his team, um, <clears throat> And let's talk about the MVP award for a second, because that's, that's totally independent of this, but same kind of, do you give a guy like you talked about Marcus smart being the best defender on the league's best defensive team since the start of the year of 2022 by a wide margin. And yet there's four different guys on that team, three additional on top of Marcus smart, who could be considered for top 10 defenders in the league if you say all defense teams there's only two um two two five-man lineups um does that take a should that take away from marcus smart's candidacy because he has three other guys who are considered potentially top 10 in the league definitely top 20 top 15 or uh does that just um solidify smarts candidacy as defensive player of the year kind of the defensive mvp that's such a great question that's something i thought about too because like uh you know i try not to go too much of like oh well this team is this good so they need to have a guy like i just want the best seasons possible you know like i want to reward the best players for what they've done um so like i looked at the mavericks like they have been a really fun defense this year i've really loved watching them play um but to me like especially in washington like they have some guys who do some really great individual things but a lot of it is scheme based like okay you execute scheme really well and it's again that's what part of part of what makes it hard is like communication Mm -hmm. is a defensive skill like being able to be on the same page with four other guys is a defensive skill um but doing the things that you know make you instead of a top seven or top six defense and make you the best defense because of your ability to like um you know, like notice that you're going to get cut out of something and then you call over a switch and then you get back into play, like stuff like like again, that Mikhail does that stuff too, but it's just, it's so hard. Um, I, it, it, it's, it's definitely not something I don't, I don't think I have a definite answer on it, which sounds like very, uh, no, that's okay. I mean, that's, that's another thing about MVP, like for Suns fans, uh, there's a bit, there's, I mean, there's a minor frustration. We're not too worried about it, but there's a minor frustration that neither Chris Paul nor Devin Booker would be a top five MVP candidate this year because you don't know, is it really Chris Paul's team or is it Devin Booker's team? Is it really, you know, is there, uh, or a team that has four all-stars on it in years past, should one of them be the MVP because he has three other all-stars in his lineup? That did come true. That was Steph Curry. Um, or back in the past, Steve Nash won MVP, even though he had three other all-stars in his lineup, all-star talents, 
uh, maybe two others, but still, it does does being MVP mean you can take a really good to great team, or does being MVP mean with you in the lineup they're a winning team, without you they're a losing team? So again, going against Chris Paul and Devin Booker now, are their team records without them? Uh, the Suns are, are uh, I think it's eight and two without Booker. Eight three without Booker and now eight and four without Chris Paul. That kind of thing is like, what is your definition if you were doing an MVP? And this again applies to defensive player of the year because I see that as a defensive MVP. Um, is it how they do without that player, or is it really like what would be a separator for you? It's kind of a sliding scale, I feel like. Um, like I uh when I look at the Russ um season for MVP, I, I know a lot of people got frustrated at that, but I will say as somebody who was I was more of a casual fan of basketball in the moment, but like watching Russ do that night in, night out was was wild. So I felt like I mean, I can see the case where I, I try and be a lot less narrative based with stuff um, like that's much more the case of like this guy, you know, raising the floor of a team um, and not necessarily having a great team or, or great cast of talent around him. Um, and I think to a lesser We're extent, even like, doing it in spite of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so, I mean, like that team wouldn't have made the playoffs without him that year for sure. And, um, but then again, you can be like, well, they were like the sixth seed or the seventh seed. So what does that really matter? I think that's a fair case to bring up too. Like to me, I think I would probably vote for Giannis as as MVP right now, even though the Bucks haven't been, you know, they, they've still been good, but they haven't been that level, you know, compared to where the Suns are at or just even other teams in the East. Um, I think it's tough because even then, like looking at the Suns, like I would have, I mean, again, it's going to be hard because of the injury, but like before injury, I would have Chris Paul, like top five or six on my ballot. Cause he's been that good. Um, I mean, can we just stop and appreciate for a second? This guy, 36 <laughs> years old doing what he's doing. And it's not even that he's 36, but I just like stopped and think and thought like, uh, I watched some Deron Williams highlights the other day and I was like, there was oh, a point wow. in time. Darren. Where, oh, Darren. Darren yeah. I'm like, there was a point in time where like there was actually a debate that this guy was was as good or better than Chris. And like Chris is playing at a near MVP level still. And Darren's been out of the league for three years. Go plant based, man. Exactly. (laughs) Making me debate it. But I I really enjoy pepperoni pizza. So probably not. But um, (laughs) I mean, it's I think I don't want to just say it depends on the year or depends on the season and depends on the individual case. But I feel like it definitely plays into it. Well, it's not just basketball either. I remember yeah. way back, uh, back when I was much younger, um, probably before you were born, uh, when cable TV was much more of a luxury and not a staple and there was no streaming or anything like that. The only two baseball teams, if you weren't in a local market to watch, were the Cubs and the Braves, WGN mm-hmm. and WTBS. Uh, and so I kind of followed along with the Cubs just because, you know, I was a kid and I didn't have a job and I could watch afternoon baseball while my mom was at work. It was great. Um, anyway, I still remember Andre Dawson in 19, I believe it was 1987. Oh yeah. That was way before uh, I was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, he won the MVP most valuable player for a Cubs team. That was awful because he had 49 homers, 137 RBIs back in the day before, before the juicing was a big thing. Mm. Um, and it was just incredible his his ability to to play so well despite the team around him because they were so bad as a team he was pitched around constantly all that but he still won MVP and that felt like even for a guy who was a uh, um, a pseudo Cubs fan 
because that's all I could see on TV. Even the pirates who were my closest, cause I grew up in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, were closest market. They weren't on TV very much. Um, I even thought that was ridiculous. And I kind of felt that way when Russ got the MVP that year. So I don't know. It, 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 it is a sliding scale. I think every year it moves, it changes, and that frustrates players. It frustrates fans. It frustrates certainly fans of a team, of a player who plays for their team that should have been, could have been, would have been MVP. Giannis, I mean, he's one of those, of course, guys, right? And Jokic, one of those, of course, guys. Jokic and Giannis, why Why do you think? I uh, know we're not going to get into that. Uh, Giannis gets a lot more pub, even though he's in a small market, just like Jokic, uh, probably because just his style, his aesthetically pleasing level of play that like uh, you got to be a little more basketball nerdy to love Jokic out there than you would if you're um, a casual fan loving watching Giannis play and that that kind of gets the votes but anyway well, honestly, not, I digress. not to cut you off but i feel like that's part of the thing that's always been with chris paul too like i think it's just yeah. easier to um it's so much easier for somebody who doesn't watch basketball day in day out and even like for some people who do like there's different levels to, to how you're understanding and seeing the game and um like it's so much easier to see Giannis go coast to coast rip and run and just absolutely hammer the rim um and then that, I mean, that's obviously dumbing down what he does quite a bit, but like it's easier to appreciate that and notice its impact on court because it's tangible. It's so much more tangible sometimes than um, seeing some of the really subtle things that Jokic does with footwork and um, eye manipulation. And um, same, I mean, again, same thing with CP3. I think if he were he were six four and he dunked regularly, he would have won an MVP before. Yeah, uh, CP3. I, I did the. I did a little bit of research. Doesn't take very long, but I did a little bit of research last year when CP3 was in the MVP conversation as an outlier a year ago for the Suns. He's actually been now voting for MVP is weird because there's only ever really a top three or top five ballot depending mm-hmm. on the year. I think there's a top there's a five man ballot most years, um, and CP3. So. Uh, for, to be the one with the seventh most votes, for example, is kind of a, well, you got a few votes from somebody to make top three or top five, and, and you have more of those kind of outlier votes than most. But having couched all that and said all that, Chris Paul was a top seven vote getter for MVP nine of the last 13, nine of his 15 years in the league last year. Top seven vote getter. So he was on MVP ballots, at least a few MVP ballots, almost uh, as many seasons as he'd played and yet never made top three, right? Never made even top four because like you, like we talked about the, the aesthetically pleasing part, I guarantee you John Morant is going to spend his entire career in a top five MVP conversation and getting votes and certainly all-star starter already uh, because of the style of play. He's basically a little Giannis, you know, he's basically a little, I mean, he's, totally different player, but yeah, he's more like a, a Derek Rose from the, you know, when Derek Rose won MVP at age 21. Um, that's you're right. There's, there's the aesthetically pleasing part. Um, so I digress. Let's go back to the all defense teams. Uh, first of all, the top four, again, you didn't have Mikel in there. You would have put Mikel around fifth or sixth. Did Mikel's name even come up amongst the group when you and Jackson Frank and Nikias Duncan? Yeah. Yeah. So we did, we did like an hour and a half Zoom call a couple of days before we wrote this. And uh, yes, he did come up. Um, we ended up just not having him on there. Um, 
And again, like it's hard to like, he was probably our first guy off. Um, I think for, for us, we ended up going with Bam as the main honorable and honorable mention. I know time missed hurts. Um, I think if he'd missed a couple more games, I wouldn't have considered it, but like on a per possession basis, I do think he's been like, uh, like his defense has just been insane this year. And obviously Kellis has as well, but um like if Bam had played 10 more games, probably my DPOY. Like he's been that freaking good this year. Um, so we ended up like two because we A, we knew Mikel had to be first team because there's no way we could not have him first team because he's been that good this year. We totally finagled the teams. Like yeah. if we could have gone without Position guards, wide. yeah, right. Yeah, right. we would have gone without guards if we could. So like honestly, like with the the Bulls guys getting injured, both of them would have made all defense if they'd even played like three quarters of the year. Um and I mean, Lonzo and Caruso. Yeah, they they I mean they'd both been if fantastic. they had played at that level the whole year. Yeah. Yeah, like if they'd been able to, I mean, if they'd played like they had the first two or three months, if they had done that the whole year, I would have had them up there. Um, you know, like obviously again, like Draymond going out, that that impacted everything. So we just were like, okay, we just want to put the 10 best seasons on here and mm-hmm. um and go from there. And uh, so yeah, that's how we kind of ended up there. To your credit, you guys did put Mikel on the first team with those other four top top four MVP candidates. So um, it, it sounds like he did come in fifth. And then the second team had um, what I felt a lot more. I don't know. I, I know you guys all agreed on it and all that. But the second team had a lot more. You could have had any of 10 guys on there on the second team mm-hmm. or maybe even 12 guys on there on the second team, but ended up picking those five, which would be Drew Holiday, Derek White, um, now of the Celtics, Herb Jones, who, is he a rookie or second year? I think he's, rookie, he's a rookie. Right? Evan Mobley, who's a rookie, and Jaron Jackson Jr., who until this year was a complete foul machine. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where... Like, okay, so Mikael Bridges is taken care of. First team, all defense. This is where Suns fans with the, the second best defense in the league this year. We feel like there should be more representation of the Suns, or at least more consideration of Suns for all defense teams. Um, and uh, one guy who doesn't get much, he gets credit, but not real credit. And I'm wondering what you think of DeAndre Aiden as a defender and and at what point how do you see his career going and where do you see him ranking now among defenders in the league so I considered Aiden um he is like you mentioned I think I I just wrote about him earlier this week and I mean he's somebody that I just think needs a lot more talking about like he's such a good player man I know um everything's always going to be made about like you know not drafting Luca and this and that and I just you are not even close. Obviously, things go different. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, everything's dependent, and um, it's not just like some binary timeline. But um, I just don't think the Suns are where they're at as a team without how Aiton has developed. Like, we just don't often see number one overall picks who willingly adapt their games from where he was at as a as a, as a second year player. Like where he was at as a second year player. Not that I was, um, not that I thought he was going to be bad or anything, but I was just like, well. He's not he like he just takes all these face up jumpers. It's not super efficient. He wasn't a very good defender. I mean, he improved a lot between his rookie and sophomore year, but like his rookie was so bad defensively. Um, but yeah. then, I mean, where he's at now, I mean, yeah, like last year, the playoff run, I mean, I thought he was arguably the second best player in the playoff run for what he did on both ends, um, you know, applying pressure to the rim as, as a role man. Um, 
his his finishing just overall and then the defense i mean i think he got a little bit too much heat for the for the series against the bucks without people recognizing like hey this was his first <laughs> fucking playoffs here like first first foray into the playoffs and he's getting to the a 22 like, year old being put on an island like, every yeah. single night against the best player of his generation yeah it's pretty tough man who's allowed well to truck too, you like on every yeah. drive i mean yeah yeah i so i think i'm uh i'm not quite there with him for uh for all defense yet but i think it's an, it's it's something he's getting towards like for sure like i think he's going to make all defense teams in time um i, I think like i want to see more in terms of him just being a drop defender i want to see him use his hands more um like that's something that especially for me and watching guys who play the five that sticks out a lot like how you um, like he's awesome with his mobility and his lateral quickness and, and moving and um, being able to to be a switch defender, especially in late switches like Philly, I'm not Philly, like like Phoenix likes to communicate, um, and he's a good communicator too. But like, um, I do want to see him kind of work on some things as a drop defender that I think would like he's already good as a drop defender. But um, the things that make when you, you say use his hands more, what do you mean? Yeah, so like one of the things that I like to point out, um, even like Giannis has been really good at this year when he's playing the five, like um, using your length to deter ball handlers. So like if you're defending a pick and roll. And you're like, say, six feet off the ball screen, playing more center field than drop. Like, if a, if a ball handler snakes in, um, you like just jab your arm out. Like, some of the best rim protectors in the NBA right now do that. Like, Giannis does that a lot. And Nicole Jokic has been really good at that. Um, but part of that's more like he's had to adapt his game because he's not really an awesome drop defender. He doesn't move backwards like that. Um, like, Miles Turner, awesome at that when he's healthy. Um, uh, you know, that's it's just a, another way of forcing ball handlers to um to have to a pick up the ball b make more decisions or or just think more when playing against defense because even then like i mean the way that defense has changed over the last five years like even a couple of years ago like when the bucks first had their really good defense they're just sitting back in a really deep drop and they're like okay you can come up and shoot mid-range shots like cool do that but now we're getting to a point where guys are so comfortable getting to those spots and still so efficient. And like, it's more just, we've cut down the number of guys who are doing it, but it's more like, okay, Chris Paul shoots 52% on pull up left elbow jumpers. And that even sounds like it's underselling it. Like you can't just let him do that. You can't let him walk into those. And I mean, we saw that in the buck series last year. Um, so like guys have had to get better at playing up closer to the level and using their hands to deter ball handlers and try and force them into tougher shots or, just deter them entirely from getting to the paint. So that's more what I'm meaning. Yeah, that's interesting because I think that's a that's something that is how am I going to put this? I'm not as 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 uh, dialed into the film and watching and all that as you are. So I'm going to uh, to take this with a grain of salt. But Aiton's primary responsibility is to not get in foul trouble because mm -hmm. he is by far their best big man defender. I know JaVale McGee and Bismack Biombo try really hard. Um, Jalen Smith for a little while tried really hard in there, but <clears throat> Aiton can stay in there against any uh, opposing offense and play pretty well because he doesn't get in foul trouble. And one of the ways you don't get in foul trouble is never get your hand in the cookie jar, mm -hmm. never stick your hand out to the, where the ball handler, the point guard or whoever's got it, um, can swipe through you and, and create a shooting foul. The old James Harden, Luka Doncic's way of, of drawing fouls is hoping you get your hand in there. <laughs> Um, so Aiden has been taught or taught himself or however it is to always have his hands out and level and, and not. So maybe 
you're right that swiping at the ball or just using his hands a little bit more in the, in that painted area or just outside the paint could be beneficial, but I think he's got to learn where he can do that without getting yeah. more fouls called against him. He is, I think I just saw somebody put on Twitter yesterday. It could have been one of the sun's Twitter folks. Uh, he's like the, he's got the fifth, fifth lowest or something really low foul rate among all the, the high volume bigs um, out there. And uh, that allows him to stay on the floor and stay engaged and active for the whole game. Um, anytime he does have games where his hands are down, and I know you're not talking the same thing, but when his hands are down and he's not really dialed in, that's when he gets his fouls. So <clears throat> that could be something that he develops over time, but it's definitely something he's purposely avoiding. Yeah. So no, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, it's tough because like, that's something that it takes guys like six, seven years to develop sometimes. Like even um, like there'll be guys who like flash it or whatever. And I think, I mean, to, to DeAndre's credit, like he's done some of it, but it's more just about like finding the way to, mm. to do it consistently without getting the foul drawing and, and figuring out how to, I mean, he's even doing it to the to the uh, detriment of his blocks, right? So yeah. that guy, he he defends so many drives to the rim. He's got one of the lowest defensive field goal rates allowed, um, and it's but he doesn't block too many shots because he's not going for those. Whereas Javale McGee has a much higher block rate, but at the same time is a much worse defender for Suns mm-hmm. fans. You know, thinking myopically about just the one team. Um, uh, the more you go for blocks and swipes and 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 uh, disrupting ball handlers, the more you get yourself a little bit in trouble and get off the balls of your feet a little bit. Um, so it's I get what you're saying. Um, I think he will make all defense at some point. I'd hoped it would be this year, but Aiden also missed 25 games this year, and and uh, that's part of it too, is he hasn't had quite that every single game impact that um, players need to have to get those end of season awards. Hey, let's take just a minute to talk about our friends at DraftKings. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers, just bet 5 bucks on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do win. It's that simple. They win, you win. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. That is a lot of money. Jump in there, get involved, and you can make some money too. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That's T-B-P-N. Bet $5 on any college hoots team to win, and you'll get $200 in free bets if they do. They win, you win, with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gotta be 21 plus. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So that's interesting. Now, one other guy I want to talk about for a minute. Um, and this one is kind of a surprise over the last couple of years. Nobody would have ever said this about Devin Booker three years ago, that he could even be a okay defender. They, we all thought he could if he put his mind to it, but nobody would have ever said he was even three years ago. And now uh, you could make the case if you watch him closely enough, fighting through screens and and staying on with his ball. And then now he's picking up getting steals more than he ever had in the past by anticipating passing lanes without giving up a ton of points in order to do that. Because a lot of guys who get steals in the backcourt are giving up a lot of points because they're overplaying all the time. Um, what is your? Have you noticed anything about Devin Booker that would ever make you think that he could be an all defense guy? Um, 
I'm not sure he'll ever get to all defense. Like, I don't want to rule anything out for him, but I just, I do think like, not that he's a bad athlete, but I do think he has some physical limitations that are going to make him, you know, just probably not an all defense guy. Um, like, you know, like, I mean, that's, it's not that he doesn't have length, but like, okay, well, when you compare him mm-hmm. to somebody like Mikel, who is somebody who would be fighting for spots with to a degree, like, it's just hard to to be, you know, like at that level. I don't think he quite has the same kind of instincts in the passing lanes or, or off the ball. But, like, I mean, like you're mentioning, I think that's been, in my opinion, the biggest leap from him this year. Like he's mm-hmm. – uh, his pacing has improved. Um, I do think he's getting even better as a passer, which I've loved yeah, watching this year. turnovers are down. His yeah. assists are back up. Yeah. Yep. But the, the biggest thing for me has been his defense, like you're mentioning. Like he has been a big part in why the Suns have been so good defensively because – I mean, again, it's the, the, like, you can't beat the Suns communication. Like, the way that they all, especially just the starting five, like, the way that they all work together in tandem is special shit. Like, I think I would point out, like, one of the best defensive performances from a team, regardless of of points scored or anything, the, the two Suns matchups, I mean, two, yeah, Suns, the two Suns Warriors matchups earlier this year, uh, in that, like, back to back miniseries, or there was a game in between. Um, that was like, those two games defensively from the Suns were like why I'm in on this team because um, I mean, what they did just masterfully switching to, to do everything they could to take away Steph Curry getting open mm-hmm. was just special stuff. And a lot of that was Devin, like he's been a lot better chasing ball handlers or not even ball, like ball handlers, shooters, off anybody ball off the ball means. fighting through screens. I think he's been better at, um, and he's been pretty solid point of attack too. Like he's not an amazing point of attack defender, but I think he's, He's honed in on that. Like you mentioned with, with his hands, I think he's been a lot better at picking his uh, his attempts to go to go get deflections or or get steals. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just been – I mean, he's fought his ass off to be a neutral or better defender, and that is a lot more than we could have said, you know, two or three years ago. Because even then, like last year, I thought he got better defensively too. That was part of, part of them getting better. But, um, yeah, it's been special to watch him get to where he's at. Yeah, it's great. He's really stepped up since Chris Paul went out. Actually, he's missed four of Chris Paul's 12 games that Chris Mm -hmm. Paul missed. Uh, But in the eight games he's played without Paul, he's putting up basically 28 points, 27.9 points on 52% shooting, 42% on threes, 7.8 assists. And 2.3 steals. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing and almost a block again. He's pretty good. Yeah. And if he hadn't missed those first four games or that, that that set of four games in the middle there, he might even be in the MVP conversation right now. Now, Suns, the Suns have upcoming six of their next seven games as of the recording of this on Thursday against winning teams. Six of their next next seven games against winning teams. We'll see if Devin Booker pulls himself back into an MVP level race, which we had um, on a small scale anticipated for the Suns uh, when, when Chris Paul went down, uh, they play, let me see here. I've got it. They play the bulls on Friday and then they've got uh, basically just a host of all uh, East and uh, then fi- East playoff teams. And then finally they, they play against the warriors and the Grizzlies um, all almost certainly before Chris Paul returns to the lineup. Uh, so that'll be, that'll be interesting to see what the Suns can do against those teams over the next two weeks. Um, so we talked about Devin Booker. We talked about um, Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton. Are there any other guys like, uh, what, what, do you, what uh, we love Jay Crowder and can't believe how impactful he is at the same time. 
Uh, he's a hell of a career being the exact same guy for every team, which is basically shoot threes anytime he touches the ball, uh, score about eight points a game. Don't do a whole lot. Don't record a whole lot of any other stats, but somehow be the linchpin of every defense. What have, do you have any comments on Jay Crowder at all? I mean, he's been really fun this year. Um, I, I think what's uh, what's so difficult with him is not him, but more just how awesome Cam Johnson has been. Like that's something I thought about a lot. That's my um, next one to ask you about. Yep, yeah, go ahead for, for coming forward and because uh, I, I mean, I, I'm honestly argue like Cam might have. I would say he's had a better season than, than Mikel, and that's not on like not saying Mikel's had a bad year. That's more like Cam has been that good for me on both ends. Um, but with with Jay, like. It's just tough because, like, he's so essential to what the Suns do, but also it's like infuriating sometimes because, like, as good as the Suns are, it's like you just know something like, you know, once every fourth or fifth game, like, Jay's going to go one to nine from three. But also, that's part of what makes him an important player, in my opinion. Like, it's hard to get role players who are um, comfortable being in their roles while also um, being able to kind of push the boundary of their role. Like, you know, there are a lot of guys who they'll like, not to shit on Tory Craig, but like Tory Craig's a really nice role player, but like he is, uh, if you ask him to take five threes, part of it is like, you know, he's not the same level of shooter as Jay, but like he's somebody who will get gun shy if he misses a lot of threes. Um, mm -hmm. And I think having somebody who's willing to just keep shooting because that impacts a defense, like a defense, if you're going, if they know you're going to shoot and you're not going to hesitate, they have to close out to you or it makes it harder for them to not do it. So um, I appreciate, appreciate what he does there. And I think more too, it's just the, the lineup versatility that he brings is essential. Like mm -hmm. he's a big reason for why they're able to switch so much and do it well. Like I think there's so much made about switching in the NBA and too much sometimes in my opinion, because there's a lot of bad switching that happens. Like there's a lot of switching that just <laughs> kind of happens to switch. And mm -hmm. for Phoenix, it's the opposite. I mean, everything they do is with a purpose and every switch they make is because they um, are comfortable doing it and they trust them themselves to do it. And, Again, Jay's a big part of that. Like his ability to defend one on one in the post is—I think that's where he's best as one of a deck defender. Like he's good on on the perimeter too. But like when he's able to just like take somebody, you know, on if somebody tries to take him on the block, it's a mistake. Like you can't. What are you going to do? Score over Jay Crowder? Like easier said than done. Mm -hmm. um, he's, and I, I think too his passing is kind of underrated. Like he's uh, especially for his role. Like he's very good at moving the ball at the right time, in my opinion. Like especially even if he's not going to get all the way to the rim off the drive, like he's been really nice with that floater this year. Um, I think that's always kind of been there, but it's really popped this year. Like it seems like everybody on the Suns is shooting 50% on floaters, which is just nuts. But <laughs> um, but he just, uh, he does, a, he's kind of the consummate player who is not going to get heralded, but he does a lot of really important stuff that I don't think can be, or, or I should say don't think should be undersold for, for this team. Man, I wish I could go on with you for another hour because it's fun watching somebody who isn't a diehard all, all day, every day, Suns only fan to talk about the team in such a in such a good way, in an informed way, not just a I like watching them play. Uh, so this is this is really fun. But I do want to um, get us down to rapid fire questions cool. uh, and and kind of start wrapping this up. So uh, you know, give me your best first impression of each of these questions. Um, Jalen Smith. 10-year NBA starter or 10-year just NBA player period, which is more likely? 10-year NBA player. I like Jalen a lot. He seems like a really nice dude, but his feel is just not there yet. Like in terms of knowing where to be on court and um, 
I think that he's had some really nice flashes, but yeah, it's going to take some time with him. Uh, TJ Warren, three more years as an active player in an NBA lineup or not? Oh God, I hope so. <laughs> he's only <laughs> I, like 28. He's got to have some yeah, time. Left. I think I'll say yes, just because it's uh, somebody will give him a contract. Oh yeah, I'm definitely. I'm just curious whether he plays on the contract is all. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing against TJ. Love TJ. It's just that you and I talked about TJ last time we did this a few years ago, and he had such a great uh, run in the bubble, and then he's hardly been seen since. What did you say? Four games in two years? Yeah, he's played. I think we talked. I think he's played five games since we talked because we talked right before the last game in the bubble. And yeah, that's right. Oh no, he's played. Uh, He's played nine games, if you include the really terrible first-round loss they had to the Heat that year. Right, right. Okay, then um, which teams in the NBA, assuming health, right? Let's assume that the top teams in the NBA get healthy. But the Bucs just got back Brooke Lopez. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's assume the Bulls are healthy. Let's assume the Heat get, stay healthy or uh, are healthy. Let's assume the Warriors, nothing happened really to Steph the other night. Let's assume they stay healthy and get healthier. Which teams, how many teams would you favor over the Suns in a playoff series? Ooh, I don't think I would favor anybody over the Suns right now. Um I, I love the Suns team. I think that they have the juice. I think a lot will depend on on Chris Paul, though. Like I, uh, I am definitely worried about. Well, let's that. assume his health too. Yeah, yeah okay, obviously. Assuming his health, then if he's sure. healthy, then yeah, I would take the Suns. I'm taking the Suns over anybody in the series right now. Wow. All right, man. This is this. We've talked about this in Sunsland all year. This is the best team we've ever seen. It's just happening so fast. People are not even realizing it as it's happening. Um, it's kind of like the early days of second, seven seconds or less. It was all found money and we were all just so excited to watch. Then we look back on it and we're like, wow, those were some of the best teams in history. Um, and this, that's, what's happening with this son's team too. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> yeah, assuming health and Chris Paul coming back and Cam Johnson coming back, he's missed a handful of games with the thigh bruise. Um, it's just amazing. You didn't get a chance to talk about Cam Johnson much, but that dude is such a killer. He steps in, he gets a thigh bruise. He gets, he gets, um, elbowed or or shouldered in the gut where he can't get his breath back the entire game and yet scores 38 points including the game winning three to beat the Knicks because he was so pissed off at having been disrespected on the court with with Julius Randle's attempt at bullying that he had to beat the Knicks and then he hasn't played since because he can't get his his leg to bend because <laughs> you know when you get a charlie horse you can't you can't use your leg very well um you people go read Mark's work on basketballnews.com. He's got a great article on Cam Johnson, what he brings to the Suns. He's got past articles he's written about Suns players. And he talks about Mikel Bridges in this all defense article. Tell us where else we can find you uh, around the web. Yeah. Well, first of all, I appreciate you a ton for having me on, Dave. This was really great. Um, you can find me on Twitter at MSchindlerNBA. Um, I'm pretty active there. It's where you can find most of my stuff. I host a draft podcast called Tag the Roll with my friend and, and uh, scout Jake Rosen. Um, luckily you guys don't need to listen to that one too much because, uh, <laughs> for once. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. But for anybody who is inclined to learn more about draft prospects and, and, uh, the upcoming draft class, check us out. All right. Thank you so much, Mark and, uh, Suns fans. We'll catch you back. Uh, next time here, you can find me at Dave King NBA on Twitter. You can find this show at sun solar panel on Twitter, as well as all over YouTube and, and your pod forms and all that. And of course my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. Uh, we'll talk to you all again soon. 